Um, it just came to me um, that we have a prayer need. We always have prayer needs, but um, you remember, many of you uh, remember Patty, our um, office manager. Um, she hated it when I said secretary, and I didn't know that was a bad thing. But anyway, our office manager, um, she has a brother, and I think it's a little brother, David. And David needs your prayers. He um, has some sort of an injury whereupon um, his body has um, got sepsis going. And so that's a very dangerous uh, infection. And so we need to lift David up in prayer uh, as well as Patty um, because I'm sure she's worried about her brother. So um, if you would bow your head right now, let's just take care of that because God already has, but we'll, uh, we'll lift him up. Heavenly Father, we do not understand your ways, and, but we do understand you because of Jesus, the word that became flesh and walked with us, and we know your nature, and that is one of love that is one that is a, a good master, and, and you love your servants. And so we lift up David right now, and we ask, Father, that you would heal him from the sepsis, this infection that's going on. We pray that you would remove any fear that he would have, any doubt that he would have. And I pray the same thing for Patty that you would just uh, fill her heart with confidence and hope and trust as she has been your daughter for all of her life. Just help this family get through this season. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, and we are blessed to have Dr. Gillette and his lovely wife Adair here today. Um, you can call him Chris, I'm sure, but I just thought, you know how to call him Dr. Gillette. You worked hard for that. So he's not a stickler for it. But uh, anyway, we are so glad to have you both. We missed you. And um, so this is, this is going to be a, a wonderful day. Our opening hymn is 10,000 Reasons. And we actually have uh, the lyrics in your bulletin, inside your bulletin. So let it ring. Your 
in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand years is now my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul Worship His holy name Continue this worship service in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will 
and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. He is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Our Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, 
You have given exceedingly great and precious promises to those who trust in you. Dispel from us the works of darkness and grant us to live in the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, that our faith may never be found wanting through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. I'll be channeling Dr. Yabuki this morning. Any Ken will do, right? The first reading is from the book of Zephaniah, the prophet Zephaniah, chapter 1, verses 7 through 16, and this can be found on page 1463 in your pew Bible. It's a very short book, and Zephaniah is one in a parade of prophets sent by God to warn the Israelites about their largesse and disregard for his providence. And as we read this, we might reflect on where our nation's gone in the last 60 years and see if these warnings don't still apply. Zephaniah chapter 1, beginning with the seventh verse. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will go up from the fish gate, wailing from the new quarter and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district, all your merchants will be wiped out. All who trade with silver will be destroyed. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs, who think the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished. Though they build houses, they will not live in them. Though they plant vineyards, they will not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry on the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. Our second reading is taken from Psalm 90, verses 1 through 12, and we'll read that responsively. It's printed in your bulletin. Unlike the previous psalms we've read that were more often from David, this one is a psalm written by Moses. And it deals with his acknowledgement of the supremacy of God Almighty. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, where you brought forth the whole world 
from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, first book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And this can be found on, the, on page 1840 in your pew Bible. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. 
The gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and can be found on page 1541 in your pew Bible. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went out once, went at once, and put his money to work, and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold bought brought the other five and said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold, came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
you may be seated. Will you pray with me? From Psalm 19:14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, for we know that nothing good comes from any other source. When we speak of someone's special abilities or aptitudes, we often say that they have talent, right? And that particular meaning of the word talent comes from the parable in today's gospel. Now, from the New International Version, the NIV, they chose bags of gold. But in other translations, it is the word talent. The word talent began as a unit of weight, like the word pound. Although we really don't know, nobody knows for sure how much a talent exactly weighed. The estimates are between 75 pounds and 100 pounds, take or leave 12 or more pounds, okay? So it's a guesstimate. But it was heavy, okay? It was a lot. And when people began using precious metals as currency, the weight of these metals became an important measure of their value. So the British, they had a pound of sterling silver, which became the pound sterling, or as we hear more simply, the British pound. In the first century Middle East, people measured their precious metals in talents. Since the talent is in the 100-pound range of weight, a talent of silver was a significant amount. That's a lot of cash. And a talent of gold, well, that was wealth beyond most people's imaginations. Think about that. Five talents, two talents, one talent. 75 pounds each of gold. Now in the parable of today's gospel, Jesus used the currency of talents to represent the gifts and the abilities that God pours out on his church. It is the representation that gives us the modern-day meaning of the word talent. And today's gospel continues with Jesus' teaching on the Tuesday of Holy Week. On that day, he taught in the temple until late afternoon or early evening, and then he continued to teach his disciples as they retired to their campsite on the Mount of Olives. He had just finished telling the parable of the wise and foolish virgins that we heard last week in the gospel and the sermon. 
And so we wait. Do you remember? And so we wait. And at the end of that parable, he said, as recorded in Matthew 25, 13, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And Jesus told the parable of the talents in order to explain what he meant when he told his disciples to watch for his return. What are you supposed to do during the wait? And so we wait. He didn't want the church to climb up on a hill and look out at the sky and just watch. No, the watchfulness of the church is to be active. And Jesus asked his disciples to imagine a fairly wealthy man as he prepared for a long trip. Now, as this man prepared to leave, he designated various tasks to his staff of servants. He wanted them to care for his things while he was gone. And Jesus specifically described the tasks given to three of these servants. What were they? Well, the man gave five talents to the first of these three. He gave two talents to the second. And he gave one talent to the last. And then he left. Now, the first two servants faithfully invested the talents and their master's money doubled. And the third servant hid the talent in the ground and waited for the master to return. And we know that when the master returned, he called forth his servants to report on their activities while he was gone. The two faithful servants received a great reward while the unfaithful servant received a severe penalty. We are actually living, we are living out this parable today. The wealthy man who went on a trip represents Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus left when he ascended into heaven and he has not returned yet. Before Jesus left, he distributed his wealth to the disciples. We have his teachings that are contained in the Bible. We have his sacraments of baptism and of the Lord's Supper. And we also have the Holy Spirit for which Jesus said in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, he will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
In addition to these wonderful riches that he gives the whole church, he also provides for us other riches. People with talent. For example, pastors, teachers, elders, singers, organists when we have one here, ushers, cooks, knitters, financial whizzes, council members, and many, many other people, talented people, who come together and care for the people and the things of the church. Jesus said that this man gave to each of his servants according to his ability. He gave to each one according to his ability. Five talents were exactly right. The exactly right amount to give to the first man who received the five talents. Two talents. <coughs> Excuse me. Two talents were exactly the right amount for the man that received two talents. And one talent was exactly the right amount to give to the one who received one talent. And so it is with us, each and every one of us. Jesus gives each of us the gift that is just right for us. He gives all of us faith, forgiveness, and everlasting life. In addition, he gives each of us individual skills that help us care for one another. Some of us can change a light bulb in a very high ceiling. Some of us can cook. Some of us are musicians. Some of us know how to give comfort with a hug and the right words. Some of us have a special talent for making people feel at home in a strange situation or a new situation. Each of us has one or more special talents that the Lord has chosen just for us. He wants us to use them to care for his people, his church. Now, in the parable, two of the servants were faithful. They were faithful with their master's money, and it doubled. Now, here is one place that we sometimes get confused in this parable. We hear that the faithful servants doubled their master's investment, right? Then we're tempted to believe that we are responsible for the return that we produce on God's investment in us. Stay with me. We often forget that there is a great difference 
a huge difference between an earthly master and our heavenly master. You see, an earthly master can't affect the outcome of his servant's faithfulness. We see this in the recent plunge and then climbing up and then plunge and then I don't know what's going on in our stock markets right now. And the craziness of our current economy teach us all too well that our earthly master is not able to affect our investments. They're subject to the world. If we had to rely on our own wisdom and risk our own resources, we would, and sometimes do, lose everything. Our Heavenly Father promises the opposite. This is the good part. He has the will and the power to affect the outcome of his investments in our hands. Our return in, spiritual, in the spiritual world depends on God. The risk is his. And the gain will be according to his infinite knowledge and perfect wisdom. Now here, here's a good illustration for that. I need to do that now. A good illustration for this is where God is in control of the outcome would be in the feeding of the 5,000. We all remember that, a little bit of it anyway. You know, Jesus blessed a few dinner rolls and a couple of sardines, and then he gave them to the disciples. And these few resources multiplied in the disciples' hands until 5,000 men and the women and the children that were with them were satisfied. Not just had a snack, satisfied. And we read further, there were leftovers. Do you suppose that a single disciple thought that he was responsible for multiplying that food while it was in his hands? No. Nevertheless, we often forget that God is responsible for the return on his investment in us. This is one reason that we often act like the unfaithful servant. It wasn't that he abused his master's money. He didn't. He didn't do abusive things. An example would be like he didn't go gambling. He didn't go out catting around or getting drunk or gluttony. There wasn't anything like that with the money. It wasn't what he did with the money that got him into trouble. It's what he didn't do. He was afraid that if he invested the master's money, he would lose it. And so, we too can be afraid. We forget that the risk 
The risk belongs to God, not to us. In our fear, we can become like the third servant, that we are satisfied to perhaps be a a pew potato, that we are satisfied just to show up for an hour, or if the pastor goes longer, every week, and then go home thinking like we've done our duty. And meanwhile, the God-given skills that have been given to each one of us, they may become rusty. They may become dusty through disuse and unuse. But when we remember only the law, we imitate the third servant. We are hypocrites in that way. We may think we know Jesus, but our ideas are incomplete. We only see the impossible. The impossible standard of his words from the uh, Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, 48, Jesus says this, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And what else can we do but join that unfaithful servant and say, wow, Master, I knew you were a hard guy, but even I know I'm not perfect like the Father in heaven is perfect. So I was afraid, and I did nothing. And in our fear, in our unbelief, our God-given talents grow stale through disuse. And our relationship with God remains broken. And if we remain in unbelief, those who do not accept his gift, well, hell remains the future home for those. When God blesses us with the gospel, we become like those two faithful servants. We approach our Lord with confidence instead of fear. While we know the law, we look beyond it to the gospel. We know that we can't rely on ourselves, but we can rely on the one who went to the cross. The Holy Spirit has planted faith in our hearts so that we have a new relationship of love and trust in our Savior. We see, we see that he is not a hard man. On the contrary, he, Jesus, is the first faithful servant, the one who empowers all those who are faithful. He is the one who set aside his glory and lived on this earth under the authority of the law. And he kept it perfectly. And in spite of his perfection, he remained faithful to the Father's plan. Faithful to endure the full wrath 
The wrath of God against our sins put upon him and his body as he hung on the cross. It was his faithfulness unto death that conquered death. It was his resurrection that proclaimed his victory. And it is in his faithfulness that he created a new path through death. That is to say, a path that leads to eternal life for you and for me. So who then are the faithful servants? Well, the first faithful servant is Jesus Christ himself who was faithful even unto death on a cross. By his work on the cross, he makes us, he makes us, you, his faithful servants. And he entrusts you the gifts to be used. And because he was faithful, we no longer imitate the third and unfaithful servant. Instead, we are confident as we come forward for his judgment. We are confident because we know that he loves us and has already provided everything that we need for our salvation. Those of us who trust him will appear before Jesus on that day of judgment. And we will join all of those who have heard these words, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little I will set you over much. And then we will hear, enter into the joy of your master. In the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, mm-hmm. 
Take my voice and let me sing Always only for my King Take my lips and let them be Filled with messages from me Take my silver and my gold Not a mud would I withhold Take my intellect and use Every power as you choose Here am I Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour, at your feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for Thee. Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray to God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, His Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord God, we praise your holy name. Thank you for bringing us together safely once again. 
Holy Father, in spite of all the blessings you have provided us, both individually and as a nation, we're not thankful nor at peace. We're angry, frightened, disappointed, depressed, anxious, and lonely. You've blessed us beyond measure, yet we're not satisfied. Our national leadership, whom we have chosen over the decades, have forgotten you and your providence over our lives as a country on earth. We have embraced the governing desires and political correctness of agnostics and atheists who would disparage or even outlaw our faith and freedom to worship you and who strive to follow your will. We, your faithful, though also fraught with sin, know from Holy Scripture that you will discipline those whom you love, and your discipline can be very harsh. We pray for mercy as we live through these terrible times. Please, Holy Spirit, remain strong within us, giving us hope that is not only that not only has our Lord saved us for eternal life with Jesus, but that he will remain present with us on earth as we weather the storms of our poor and self-serving decisions. Holy Father, we give you thanks and praise for laying your healing hands upon our loved ones who suffer maladies, both physical and mental. Thank you for guiding the physicians who treat those affected by disease, broken bodies, and distressed minds. Holy Father, please shelter us from the harm of the COVID virus, which is inflicting upon us, both physically and mentally, especially on our children. As the creator of all things and the great and perfect physician, we pray that you would alter our bodies to resist the COVID virus or to banish this virus from our midst and indeed from all the earth. Guide scientists and physicians to find ways to quickly and successfully treat the illness when it presents itself. Help us act responsibly without the fear and evil being spread by those who seem to thrive on chaos and hatred. Help us stand without fear against this invading threat. Lord in heaven, we continue to pray for our president and all who serve the citizens of our nation at all levels of government. Thank you for answering our prayers to shine light on those who are corrupt in their positions and for exposing the modern day Sadducees and Pharisees who use laws and personal policies to enhance their own egos and power while denying your providence and saving grace. Please guide us to remove such individuals from positions of leadership among us. Help us turn away from social and news media that seeks to sow hate, fear, and disagreement between us in order to increase their profits. Holy Father, we continue to pray for the safety of all firefighters, paramedics, and police who serve to protect us all. Please still the Earth's natural forces and end the season of fires, hurricanes, and other destructive weather phenomena. Dear Lord, please protect all who travel and keep them safe from harm, bringing them home safely in your good time. God Almighty, we thank you for those who serve or have served in our nation's military, and especially for those who have given their lives in defense of our country. You know it's been 101 years since the end of the war to end all wars on November 11, 1918. Unfortunately, 
Human sin has not rested since then, and we continue to wage violent warfare against each other as evil spreads across the world. Please continue to keep our country's purpose and goals honorable and focused on fighting evil governments wherever they act to harm others. Please keep us on the right side of your purpose and plan, enabling triumph over our enemies, whether inside or outside our nation's borders. Holy Father, we're sorry when we get frustrated not knowing or understanding your plans for our lives and may doubt your presence in our affairs. We really want to be in charge, and we are reminded daily when we look, listen, and hear what the Holy Spirit says to us that your ways are not our ways, and we thank you for that. Thank you for being patient with us, and we plead for your mercy when we try to take control. Please hold off your discipline when we show disrespect for your providence, since the ungodly will perceive our troubles as an acknowledgement of your absence and will be further emboldened to spread evil. We know you are present and plead that you would guide our decisions rather than punish our insolence. Regardless, thank you for saving our souls and opening our hearts and minds to hear the call of the Holy Spirit, which has led to our eternal salvation. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly from a distance. Consider you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave. And by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven. We praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and 
our Lord Jesus was betrayed. He took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us together pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Bless you. We can still do that, right? (laughs) This is one of the gifts, the riches that he gave to us that is yours, those who believe. That is the foretaste of the feast to come. That is a means of grace that he gives to you. Grace crossing your lips, forgiving your sins, and giving you eternal life because he said so. He said, this is my body. This is my blood. May it comfort you. May it give you peace and joy as you receive it. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
Thank you, everybody. I pray that you are encouraged by this parable. It's a tough lesson. I think maybe it's uh, been uh, proclaimed different ways over the years. But the bottom line is, is that he's the one that equips. He's the one that gives you the talents. And you're the one that gets to use them. But by God's grace and his Holy Spirit leading you. And when I look out into this congregation, I see a lot of talented people. And I didn't list everybody there, in, but I see a lot of talents that are shared. And I'm grateful, and we are all grateful. And I know the Lord is pleased, and I know that you will indeed hear those beautiful words. Well done. Well done. So now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn is Lion in the Land.
Let us go in peace and serve the Lord.